Hello, everyone. This is Michael Gallagher, and this is episode 20 of the M&M podcast. Uh, I'm Michael Gallagher. I'm a lecturer in digital education at the Center for Research in Digital Education at Maury House School of Education and Sport. And I'm joined, as always, by one Miles Blaney. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Miles Blaney. I am a service manager in digital learning applications and media and learning teaching and web and information services at the University of Edinburgh. Um, yeah, that's a title and a half. Those titles have never gotten shorter. No. And uh, we, we are joined by two very special guest stars. Uh, one, Karen Howie. Hi, hi folks. Um, we, I have a very similar long um, title like Mayo. So my, I'm, I'm head of digital learning applications and media and learning teaching and web directorate and information services. And as well as uh, Stuart Nichol. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Stuart Nichol. I'm head of educational design and engagement in LTW, same as them. <laughs> well, wow, sold it. There you go. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be the subject of today's uh, podcast is largely around assessment. And uh, Miles, you want to kick us yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, do we, I think probably trying to tell everybody where we're at right now as well. The lockdown might be kind of handy. So. So uh, semester one, we are in the midst of uh, hybrid teaching, um, which means that um, students are here, but they're um, kind of blended to get blended teaching going on. Um, and before we kick off, so how, how is everybody in locked in their houses, not being able to go to the pub or have any fun at all outside with people? How are we all doing? Confused. <laughs> Confused by the, the rules changing every week. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to bring in a traffic light system down south soon, so that will help everybody, I'm sure. <laughs> so green green means you can get drunk, and red means you can't get drunk. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, I don't. So think, yeah, but I think. Yeah, I don't think for me, for me personally, I don't think that much has changed. Uh, seven months ago, I was sitting at this kitchen table, and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's not healthy. You need to get out and do stuff, and I think it's weird. When I the, the first time I went, I think the first time I went to a shop was Greg's after the immediate lockdown, and it was like walking on the moon. It was like, oh wow, there's people and there's things I can buy, and I think I came home with like everything in Greg's because it was such a unique experience after mm. not being in the shops for so long. <laughs> That's fair. My kids loved me. My 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 wife didn't like me, um, but yeah. So, but I think. Um, I think the focus of today's chat is uh, exams, and uh, I think what we want to probably cover initially is um, how exams are traditionally conducted at the University of Edinburgh. Um, yeah, I think it's an important and, point. Uh, think, yeah, just to jump in, I think that's an important point. I think we have to first establish what it is, what it was, before we can talk about what what it's become. Well, I think it's so much has changed, and there's been so much. You know, if you think if, if you look at um, God, like, Twitter's full of people talking about how, how exams are done um, locally in those areas and the impact and the technologies. And we'll talk about those later on. But I think we, yeah, I think we need to reflect on how traditional exams are, are done. And traditionally, and anybody can correct me if I'm wrong, but they're usually, um, uh, exams are conducted usually in exam halls. They're paper-based, um, invigilated, um, or, or there's a proctor, as you want to call it in America, and the time limited. So you might be given like, a bit of paper to sit 
in a hall and you might be given like an hour and a half to do it and then you meant to dump your brains into that uh, bit of paper and then it gets marked and that's your exam kind of done does that can everybody does that make sense to everybody else I think that's a fair assessment. I'm, I worked in a school for a long time and um, exam time was the, the sort of quieter time for me. So um, because it was the, the, the exams were mostly paper based rather than digital. Um, so that's exactly what my um, experience has been like. And, and seeing, because um, we call them exam diets, and we have four scheduled throughout the year, April, May, August and December. I think um, from um, from reaching out and trying to get some numbers for how many paper-based exams we have per year, obviously not this year we're talking about. We're talking about prior to pandemic pivot and COVID and all that kind of stuff. We had uh, in the University of Edinburgh 2,459 paper-based exams per year. And that's, that's massive. Is that just the paper-based ones? Because we do have a bunch of computer-based ones, you know, where we use computer labs and using yeah. question mark perception. Is that included in that number as well nope that is purely paper-based exams so that's it's it's a massive number but then again you think about the number of students here as well do you know what i mean it's interesting and i appreciate you miles for uh explaining that invigilation and proctoring you know equivalence because that was quite confusing for me for the first three years i was here just wandering around pretending pretending i understood what invigilation (laughs) meant but uh do we have a sense about how high stakes these are generally in an undergraduate course I mean, in terms of what percentage of the overall grade would be attributed to a paper-based examination? I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know that off the top of my head. But um, I think it's, there's a massive range. There's, there are some courses where it's very high stakes. Um, and I think those courses have probably found the pivots online in March most challenging. But um, you, you would hope that most good course design kind of doesn't leave everything right to the end of the end of the course to do this. Yeah, that's interesting because we had, we had, I mean, something that actually impacts the assessment discussion is what you just said. You know, it was this idea that a lot of it is late in the term. It's, And then once we, in, for example, in March when we locked down, we were left with the final examinations being more or less in some approximation online. And so it became very, very difficult to satisfy the learning outcomes of the overall course uh, without those examinations. So I think it sort of precipitated its own need. It sort of fed itself into having to have these things. Because we had this discussion in Morehouse, House, you know, many, many times about how do we satisfy these learning outcomes when there hasn't been any assessment up to this point? Yeah, and I think like it's... And, and so something I kind of struggle with sometimes is why do we still... So why do we have this kind of examination you know, why do we have, why does it have to be everybody in a room all together doing the same bit of work, a closed book, you know, maybe, or depending on what it is, why is it done every year without anybody kind of reviewing? Like you just said there, Stuart, as well, about the design of courses and stuff like that as well. Would that influence the kind of change into um, exam processes and adoption, maybe of looking at different ways of, um, you know, trying to, gauge students knowledge yeah i mean one of one of my colleagues or our colleagues tracy madden she does like an interesting thing when, when we do learning design about you know except ex- what you do in an exam is quite different it's not always the same but exams kind of like the context and the context is timed 
everybody does at the same time, close book. And then what you do, you know, it could be an essay. It might not be an essay. You know, the actual act of what you're doing in the exam kind of can be quite different. Or it could be a computer-based thing that's still timed and vigilated. Mm. Um, where was I going with that? I can't remember. Yeah, but I, I think the thing about um, – there's obviously, like – and I think it's a near future teacher, like as well, Michael, about um, discouraging exams or moving away from exams. But it, I think it's quite a, it is quite complex because different disciplines are so very different, and also there are some courses, programs with professional accreditation that requires exams as well. So the idea that we could kind of completely move away from that context where it's timed everyone doing it at the same time isn't isn't no, all no, that I straight think it's forward. very important. I think the disciplinary differences there are quite pronounced. I mean working with maths or science, anything that has a, a more of a process orientation, I think it's hard to move away from uh, from from these sorts of things and this kind of idea of an examination. But at the same time too, I think and I don't want to trip over anything that you have, Miles, in terms of the agenda for a little bit later. But uh, it's this idea that I think mm. the move online exposed uh, how um, unequitable I think some of these timed examinations could be, specifically if you're doing them entirely online, uh, with students being unable to access certain things at a certain time, dependent on Wi-Fi, like you know, a stable Wi-Fi connection, as we all are. But so you're you're having all these factors sort of play out, you know, in terms of disciplinary differences, you, uh, in terms of committees to to change the the assessment practices, in terms of you know the technological infrastructure around the ex exams. I mean, all of these sort of converge to create this uh, space that we're sort of navigating through now. So so can I just I think I think Stuart. And, and yourself, Michael, painted a great picture of there's no kind of cookie cutter. You know, every uh, courses and schools and programs have different requirements um, for examinations and stuff like that. The reasons why they have them. So it's 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 not as easy just to switch everybody off to make that change. And I think you're touching on the points that we're going to talk about later on um, about the technology. But I think going back to previously pre pre pandemic and stuff like that, we talked about the you know, them being physical-based, paper-based, very analog, if you want to say it. It's a paper-based exam. Um, and then Stuart's kind of touched on the point as well um, about, uh, you know, there was some online exams. So we have, like, um, uh, Questmark Perception, which is used for online exams. Is there, Karen, do you want to talk about any of the other, do we have any other tools that you want to talk about, you know, that can facilitate, like, exams at all? Um, that would, I guess that would be the main one we have at the moment. Um, we, we do have people who do like class tests and things like that within the VLE, um, but mostly it would be if people were doing electronic exams, it would be either some sort of open book exam um, where the submission is made you know, to, to turn it in or learn directly or they're using question mark perception and possibly under, probably under exam conditions in a large room with an invigilator. And that would be on university of Edinburgh premises, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. But yeah. but being being Edinburgh, we don't we don't keep it all that consistent because we we've got other platforms like Speedwell and Practique as well, don't we? Just to make things complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there are pockets of other services. Um 
people is using other a, services for tests, sorry, exams, sorry, assessments. Is that a matter of so, the so individual got, school choices or is it like a program level choice or where's that happening? Like those different, the different services, where, yeah. where is that decision taking place? It's kind of school, college level, um, but not every not everybody in in the schools that use practique, for example, only use practique. Some of them use question mark perception as well. So we've got a couple of platforms. We've got some digital stuff that can be done, and we've got paper based being probably prominent. Um, we've got schools that want different things and different requirements for exams as well. So it's quite a um, varied field. <laughs> There's no one kind of, this is how you do it, this is how it's done for everybody. Um, and that's how it traditionally was, okay, or it was prior to the pandemic. And I think, um, I think I know Michael's kind of touched on it already. So for the, you know, for the exam period, for the, um, during lockdown, um, obviously we couldn't replicate um, an exam experience, a traditional exam experience at paper-based halls and stuff like that, um, you know, for, for numerous reasons, like you weren't allowed out of your house, um, social distancing and stuff like that. Um, um, does anyone want to talk about how they, how it flipped? And because and, I know I know all three of you were involved with the kind of um, the guidance around uh, moving completely online um, uh, do any of you want to talk about um, how the, the conversations that were had around how to move exams online or the advice that was created around moving exams online? I, I mean, I can definitely cover what, what happened. Um, so effectively, a lot of exams were cancelled. Um, that, that was something that happened. So things that exams that didn't directly impact a, a kind of degree classification for example a lot of them were cancelled for the ones that weren't cancelled um, again there are outliers where people did slightly different things depending on which college or school they're in that they were in but in the main there was there was a, two two types of open book exam were proposed and one of them was a kind of 48 hour window where you could take as long as you needed to to do the 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 exam, typically an essay question, typically typed up and submitted through Turnitin or Learn. Um, so that gave people 48 hours, a 48 hour window to you know download, do the exam, upload. Um, but there was also a number of the schools had, particularly in the sciences, who had kind of kind of relied on the handwritten exams because of scientific notation, for example, or the maths um, formulae, things like that. And a lot, so a lot of those schools did a handwritten exam and gave a three-hour window and then an extra hour for uploading um, just in case there were any issues. Um, so that was kind of the bulk of what was done. There were the odd other bit and, um, bits and pieces that, were, that, that, that happened, but that was in the main what, how we kind of covered the fact it, that it, the exams had changed. Was it, yeah. Was that, uh, was that time frame, like was a, that dedication to that time frame largely, I mean, we're speculating here because we didn't create these courses and these assessment mechanisms, but was that time frame largely about ensuring that um, cheating wasn't the issue? Okay, okay, that's yes, what I, uh, I would think it to be as well. Yeah.
it's it's also like 48 hours trying to arrange there's not overlap <laughs> to make sure that people aren't sitting or have a 48-hour deadline within the same time as well. I can imagine there must be still a lot of coordination that would be done to make sure that things were, were being set up at the, at the right time um, and it were was causing a, extra stress. Just to add something as well, it must have been a huge job for the people who scheduled the exams, mm. but the, the, the three-hour ones as well, they, they were typically started at about one o'clock in the mm. afternoon just to make to try and get as many time zones in there as possible. Because obviously if you're sit, everyone's sitting the three-hour exam at the same time, you have that issue where some people it will be 10 o'clock at night and they were trying to... Um, trying to minimise that. So it was it would have been a very fun thing to have scheduled. And and see see one of the things as well, we're we're presuming as well that these courses all have um some kind of online presence within a VLE or something like that as well. Um I'm not too sure like it does every does every course have an online presence now? Um and are they all or do do some not? No, I would say um, at most uh, pretty much all of them do if they don't have their own individual one they'll have a shared vle course so yeah i think i think that's probably not an issue now okay cool and and for the uploads of the assignments is it the main things were turn it in and then you know the learn assignment a tool within blackboard learn as well yeah yeah yes for those particular formats of kind of exam replacement and just sort of curiosity how did um was there any concerns around like load or you know um tool reliability yes there was lots of concerns um and we did speak to the suppliers of the tools to and, and kind of gave them a heads up on the numbers we were expecting and things like that so um yeah it was i mean we didn't have that much time to get you know a plan together so we, we did what we could okay so um and i think uh, i think it sets up quite nicely about thinking about um, how we progress with this now, or the university, or how any other institution will progress with exams, especially looking at well here in the UK with the potential stages of lockdown being introduced in in England and Scotland. There's a central bit of lockdown currently, um, and that might ramp up, or we don't know what's going to happen. So I think there's a definite kind of focus now about um, how we can replicate, or can we migrate exams to digital platforms to put them online um and uh, i think everybody's kind of jumped on i think it's like that zoom thing at the very beginning of, of lockdown when people are like zoom's great and then people start to examine things and look at things and realize oh hi on it might not meet everything that we need or it might not be this or that or or whatnot and i think we've seen a bit of that now with like um like especially with some of the online proctoring tools um and uh, has anybody used an online proctoring tool? Just sort of coincidence. No, no, I. I haven't personally. I. Well, we we tested these, right? I, I mean, my I partner think had, and that was Miles, a fun you experience. and I were testing these, and <laughs> and uh, I wow. think I got to the point where I had my ID in front of a camera, and I was like, "What? I'm not sure. I want to do this anymore." <laughs> Yeah, so um, I just say like online online proctoring tools are just um, just tools that try and replicate the exam hall experience just digitally. Um, but there's been um, there's quite a few vendors that actually do it now. Um, but I think there's been a wee bit of a backlash 
um, against him. Um, and I think it's 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 interesting because what it does in a weird way is it replicates that example experience. Um, but maybe it's that conversation to say there's lots of things about online parking that aren't very nice. Um, but if there's that need. You know, should should online proctoring be something that should be Again, looked at? I, I think there's. Um, I'm sorry. Go know, ahead, Karen. Or I'm sorry. Do we need to have these exams in the first place? That, I mean, that. I, no, all I was going to say was sorry. Um, is actually that's a really good question. Um, so something I'm quite interested in is whether we really need the exams in the first place. And I, I know Michael that you've got a program that doesn't have exams so it may yeah, be interesting good. to Thanks, dis- discuss um, that with you and why, to begin why with, your I think program doesn't you have exams and how you get uh, around uh, that uh, disciplinary differences aside if you didn't think that this op- this uh, covid pandemic and this movement online was an opportunity to rethink your assessment practices i think well you missed an opportunity there ultimately i think there there was a moment where you could consider whether or not these were fit for purpose, right? Were they fit for purpose in this online space? And for some, they still would be. I mean, I can imagine mass, this would be very much still very applicable that you'd want to run exams to, um, to determine the students have met the learning objectives or, you know, even as formative assessment, all these different things. Uh, for some programs, I think mine included, it's a little bit easier to divert from any sort of examination because it's, it's really a critical thinking exercise. It's really like a social science kind of space where the cumulative, you know, understanding and the impression that you make is, is a little bit more uh, important than a one-off exam. But at the same time too, we still do in our program, we still do high stakes assessments. They're just not high stakes exams. So I teach on a program right now that I would probably reconsider the ratio of assessments, but we have a, a 20%. We only have two, we only have two uh, assessments of any sort. So there's a 20% assessment and then there's an 80% assessment, which is the final assessment. So those numbers, I would probably waver a little bit and go maybe 60, 40 or something along those lines at some point. But ultimately, yeah, we, we've chosen a different direction. We've chosen to go in this, in this direction where it's a cumulative type thing. So a lot of these things are, for example, blog entries over a course of time. We're, which you know ultimately sort of evades a little bit of the plagiarism issue as well because you learn the voice of the individual participating over a long period of time. Um, so, yeah, it's a different, it's quite a different scenario, I think. And it, it should also be noted that my program is also uh, a master's program, so it's a little bit different in terms of scale. So our cohorts are, yeah, our, our cohorts are thirty. You know, undergraduate cohorts are, we had, we had our largest cohort of all time right now, and it was about 45 or 46 on this intake, on this most recent intake, which is very high for us. And uh, undergraduate intakes are, I was dealing, or even uh, certain programs in Morehouse, for example, and master's programs, the intake was 300. And so those scales, the scales are very, very different. So I think, yeah, I think exams big, our responses to scale and scale begets exams in some cases. I think it's – go ahead, Um. But I'd, I'd also – I guess I'd also say that just because a program or course doesn't have any exams doesn't mean that their assessment's good. Um, good assessment practice is also to do with the timing of the assessment. Mm. Um, and I've done courses with – 
a big four thousand words hefty essay right at the very end. That that, that also doesn't seem all that all that great either. Um, Agreed. So yeah, no exams aren't the root of all evil when it comes to assessment. Is it so? Is it then kind of you know looking back and saying so? Just picking up that point there, Stuart. Is it then saying about the course design really is the kind of key thing, and that's impacted by scale of the course as well. To say you know at scale it's very problematic for someone to, to learn someone's voice, but with better design of courses we can actually lead to you know. Well, yeah, and I think, well, yeah, definitely. I'm thinking, like, you know, there's there's a trust element. I guess an exam gets around the trust element because you kind of see everybody in the room. That's so you've got an invigilator. But if you have one big essay at the end and you run it through Turnitin and you don't let people see their formative feedback from Turnitin, that's also a trust issue. And you're not trusting that students have, haven't copied or, or had the essay written for them by someone else. But that's also kind of the same. That's also a type of lack of trust in, in students um i suppose in terms of the timing thing uh, there's i don't know there's all the kind of literature about assessment of learning or assessment for learning there's a kind of like you know i'm going to make you do a piece of assessment to check that you've learned all this stuff or you can do the assessment because that's actually how you actively engage with the subject and and you're learning through the act of doing the assessment um so uh, yeah i think it's yeah there's kind of I think the exam is is one context of doing an assessment, but it's it's there's loads of other factors um, in there. And you might argue that you know if you do need to do an exam for professional accreditation of some sort, that then that is set in amongst other forms of assessment. So if if an exam is something that the discipline necessitates, then there are other assessment kind of things that happen throughout the course other forms of assessment that that kind of can improve on the student experience and and see touching on that student experience it's like um i think it, it's probably really important to say to talk about you know the probably the stress that exams create um and about the style of those exams and um you know i think there's been a lot probably recently about um, the, the movement of paper-based exams to online proctoring tools and about um, the, the excess stress that's caused on people yeah. as well, which is which yeah. is something that is, you know, is mega, mega important to not the grades. Yeah, I mean, people getting recorded in their own homes. Um, like you're saying, there yeah, might I mean, there's certain objectionable ID, personal ID. bits to the um, online proctored examinations. Like I'm not going to pretend probably. otherwise, but... Uh, Stuart's right. I mean, I like uh, bad assessment. It's bad assessment. And I think if it's an essay or if it's a, an examination, it could be the exact same end result. It's a detachment of the individual from the learning that's taken place. Uh, it's sort of like a, a slightly artificial experiment in, in these sorts of things. So I think that's important to bear in mind. And I think you're, Stuart's right. It's like exams are not the sum total of all, of all evil in this assessment conversation. But you're right. I think also, too, with the proctored examinations, there is the additional layer of technological literacy to navigate that process yeah. on top of the subject matter expertise that you're supposed to demonstrate. And I think that's problematic. This is it. 
and this is the great assumption that everybody can just you know with some i think some tools that we've seen have to require local installation and local locking machines and yeah they'll try and guide you through it but it's a great assumption that people can do that and they have access to the technology that will allow them to install applications and they're not in a internet cafe or they have you know tethered to the mobile phone and some applications won't allow them to open up the assessment in an online property until if they're not on a um uh, not on a wi-fi so it, it's there's lots of assumptions there and that's extra stress on on users and that, and that shouldn't experience i know there's been other things talked about internally and you know um so this is like a, doing so visas w- so um, yeah. well, so you were talking about the Viva. I, I, I noticed this inclusion. <laughs> is there concern over this? Like, like to be online is, is there concern over how this is run online as opposed to the face to face? Well, I think it's, it's. I think it's just trying to replicate what's been done um, in the in the face to face. So um, I think there's. You know, using certain there's plenty of tools we've got. We've got what collaborate, Zoom, Teams, that can all be used. And I think we've seen examples of those tools being used for online proctoring. It's as interesting well. because we've um, we've been doing um, uh, you so know these sort of oral defenses online for, for the last scenarios. Year or so. And I find it to be a much more pleasant experience than the face to face variety of it. And I think the idea that you wouldn't have materials around you as you're doing that defense. Even in the face-to-face, it's it's not it's not true, right? So you would have your if you're doing a PhD defense, you would have your notes there. You would have your your bound, you know, thesis alongside you, uh, sort of you know earmarked with notes. little tabs and things. So these sorts of things, it's it is essentially an open book kind of an examination. You're just supposed to talk about your thing. I, I just find that interesting that that would be raised that there would be some concerns raised about running that online. Well, it's it, maybe the use cases for it being run or for uh, people that might have been flagged is we want to check that person mm. whether they can replicate that knowledge. Yeah, I think it was more of a discussion after an exam I had see. taken place to find out if that. I see. But whether this member of staff thought that person had actually sat the exam, if that makes sense, or submitted the assessment. But I think, um, but it, it, it's. Yeah, I think there's a whole set of dilemmas now to think because because realistically, if we look now at how winter's going to happen and getting access to campus and probably even doing exams at scale again for the May diet, April May diet, it's, we just don't know what's going to be the state of play. We don't know where we're going to be. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how things pan out about you know, for the end of year exams, I know for the high school, they just said last week that there will be no. Yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah. I'd SQA imagine there's a bit of uh, there's a bit happy. of this discussion that's around agency too, like how much agency teachers, <laughs> programs, schools, etc., have to change these assessment practices in response to this. I mean, on the surface of it, it feels like a contingency planning exercise, right? So, if we can't go back to campus, we need to find an, a viable alternative that works in both places. And maybe that's proctored examinations online. I don't, I mean, I'm not 
I don't know. I don't think it is, but maybe it is. Uh, maybe it's open book examinations. Maybe it's essay, you know, digital essays or whatever it might be. Uh, it just it seems like a contingency planning mm-hmm. exercise rather than necessarily, uh, uh, you know, a fully on kind of academic governance exercise. But unfortunately, you're bound by that governance. You're bound by the expectations of your school committees and your college committees to satisfy those learning outcomes. Yeah, but when, so when does this kind of stopgap end? (laughs) So that's the other thing about it, because it was only meant to be till this point, and then it's moved to another point in the year, and then it's moved, you know, will it move again? We'll be talking about this this time next year, saying, yeah, we've had a Yeah, it's a good point. I think, uh, well, we're having those conversations certainly in Morehouse about semester two right now, so. I think uh, to know when it ends, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody has that, but we certainly assume it's going to carry into semester two. Uh, the interesting thing is like they're, kinda, they're encouraging people to move away from exams or, uh, and, and then if, if you do move away from exams, I guess this makes it a bit easier to solve because to run in the online exam it seems like the difficult thing to do or to quickly find an alternative but but the idea of moving away from exams michael i mean that's something that is uh, is in the near future teacher um work that you did i can't remember what what how that was phrased yeah. <laughs> but but you know it's something that was already in the yeah, that's a good point. We were drawing on this a little bit. I think that wasn't as an assessment. I think the near future um, teaching project sort of was already there, articulated this, it. it. But I think that was in the ethos around the university for quite some time. You know, this idea that we are over assessed, and I don't think it was specific to exams, although we articulated in the near future teaching project around exams. But it was this idea that we are as a university over assessing, and I don't think we're necessarily alone in that. I think that's most higher education institutions are doing that. Um, but it's this move away. I think that we, we phrased it as a value is this, uh, you know, uh, experience over assessment and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, the, the other thing that was like explaining to mine was just the, um, if you like, we have a lot of fully online pro- master. Well, they're all masters programs. I think, yeah, you know, we I guess we talked about this earlier on that you know you see a lot of the exams in the undergraduate programs rather than the postgraduate programs. But in that, you know, we have seventy or seventy plus online masters programs. So, but but there aren't, or there are very very limited online exams within that within those programs they they all look at alternative assessment um techniques and, and a lot of those programs would have used um exams had they been on campus i suspect um but we already had that kind of thing i, I guess around the institution that you know if a program moves online that we weren't relying on on ex- online exams um but it's interesting we kind of i guess like a lot of the stuff that's happened over the summer um 
The, the biggest yeah, it's, the, it's the undergraduate fully online campus. programs it's, there was an embrace of medium and that's that in those programs we had to, heavily, heavy to shift these on, into these new spaces and, uh i think for postgraduate programs now that might be just sort of hovering in this hybrid space fully expecting to fully return to campus i think maybe there is this general assumption that perhaps you know you can ride it out a bit uh, for undergraduate programs, that was, I mean, Stuart and I, you and I talked about this all summer. Th those were always the biggest concern. I was like, how do you transform these things into these behemoths into to online kind of equivalents? Very problematic. So... And, and I think um, you touched on it, COVID is an opportunity to probably to review your the exam practice. So thinking about it, you know, this time next year, say if we are allowed back to being able to talk to people in the street and sneeze and not get sneered at, um, it, what would be like an ideal kind of scenario, do you think? Do you think there will be a bit of a move towards people saying, well, actually, um, we don't want to do that traditional exam experience anymore. We want to try and um, do it another way. Would that be, is that, you know, could, could we envision that happening or people just, do you think people will just lurch back to, we did this, we'll keep on doing that. This was just a blip. I think so. I think some programs will, there will be lasting change on the back of this. <clears throat> and I think some programs that have moved to the more open book style of exam, um, I, I, I suspect that will stick a bit, and you know there is some 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 talk of that. Um, but that's kind of easier to do in in some subject areas. I'd, I'd, I'd suspect the exams that are happening mainly in CEHSS are easier to stick to a, a move to an open book. Um, in in other areas, that might be more difficult, and it might be easier to write it out. But it's just my thought. <laughs> yeah, and see, uh, and, and Karen, see in, in like the vendors and all that that we've talked to and all that kind of thing. Would you have confidence that you know platforms will evolve over the next year and maybe to facilitate a bit better user experience around like that? Are, are, are you talking about specifically proctoring or just assessment? Um, just assessment, sort of sort of stuff. stuff. Yeah, definitely. We're already. I mean, certainly the market seems bigger than it was even a small number of years ago and um where there's there's definitely people are are they're, they're definitely thinking more about the kind of what happens if people can't get into physical rooms and and do exams and as Stuart said there's quite a lot of people were quite happy with the the, the way the exams ran this year not everyone but a lot of people were so I think we will see a more permanent change and we will definitely see the vendors, suppliers starting to offer. I think I might on the um, on the tail end of that too. I we're might already seeing that. Throw in. I think we hopefully will see some changes around subjects, for example. being able to satisfy the learning outcomes somewhere earlier than the final week of the course. So this idea that uh, you would be doing a one-off kind of high-stakes assessment at the very end of the course is is problematic because that relied on the. You know, at least in, in in March and April and May, that relied on that co-location on campus. So I think seeing that as more of a liability in the next few semesters, the next few academic years even, maybe, hopefully not, uh, 
is 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 important for thinking how that transformation of assessment might take place. We ha- we need to be able to give students some feedback one way or the other, some some formative feedback and summative feedback one way or the other before week twelve, uh, ultimately. But yeah, that's the that's more of a long term kind of transformation, I think. Yeah, you would you would hope where that I'm I can't say for sure it definitely was happening, but if that was happening on any programs, that there was a little bit of a rude, awo- a rude awakening in March when this this all kicked in, and hopefully they kind of maybe learned the hard way, like that. Yeah, you can't really do that. I mean, it's also good for staff if you're not doing all your marking in one particular block. Absolutely. It means you know, you've, you you obviously don't have any less marking, but you do have it. It's more spread think? out through yeah, the year. Think... So hopefully it just makes things a little bit easier to manage as well. I think on that note, I think we can, we can end it. It just sounds like, it sounds like it's a very varied field. Yeah, and it's sort <laughs> it's of bound me, up. It's, yeah, it and like I think it's, it's also, just no to remember, it's sort of bound up in what in you're no used one. to. In your discipline and in your in your own past experiences, what we understand proper quote unquote proper assessment to be is largely shaped by our own experience. So, if you're coming up and you and you Mm. thought high stakes examinations were the only way to fully assess what people knew, that's you're going to advance that. You're going to carry that forward into your own teaching practice. So, it's a long term. It's a cultural shift as well. But you're right. You're right. It's probably a good place to to. To stop. <laughs> okay, so I yeah. will I will just round us out here and say that thanks uh, to uh, Stuart and thanks to Karen yes. for joining us. And uh, this is Michael Gallagher signing off. <laughs> bye bye. I'm Miles Brandon. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for having us. See you later. Bye.